There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms and the new 110 Ultralight. At about six pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory blueprinted Savage 110 action. The carbon fiber wrapped stainless steel barrel makes it durable and lightweight. The rifle comes equipped with the Savage AccuFit technology, so that means it's adjustable and it comes in a variety of calibers. The 308, the 270, the 28 Nosler, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 30-06, and much more. If you want to find out more information about the 110 Ultralight, visit SavageArms.com. My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet chasing bears. We're up in northeast Montana this week, and we're at elk camp. We've been chasing elk. Our legs are tired, but at the end of the week, we sat down with Ben O'Brien from Meat Eaters Hunting Collective and Joe Farinato from Peterson's Hunting and our new friend Bryce Suhey and Bear John Newcomb, my son, and Colby the Bear Tech Moorhead. We have a Really fun conversation about our week of elk hunting in the Missouri breaks. We talk about some of the tactics we used, and but also just kind of the general, some general commentary on elk hunting. And I am yet to determine if I like elk hunting or not. Um, we'll see. You can see. Hey, be sure to check out our buddies at CVA Muzzleloaders. If you're going to be muzzleloading this fall looking to upgrade your equipment 
check out CVA. They have an incredible guarantee on all their muzzleloaders. Pretty much, they have a money-back guarantee if you save your receipt. You need to read their website to get all the specifics. And if it's inside of a of a, a about a two-week time window from when you buy it, if you don't like it, if it doesn't shoot like you think it should, you can send it back. They'll give you your money back. I tell you, I'll translate that for you. These are good muzzleloaders, best on the market. They stand behind their product. And of all the hunts I've got left this fall, I'm most looking forward to the Arkansas muzzleloader season, and I'm going to be carrying a CVA. Also, our buddies, man, not even our buddies, but Buddy Woodbury. I'm using, I'm using, I'm throwing around the buddy word. Our buddies at W Hunting Supply. And Buddy Woodbury and his team, they are the hound supply company that you need to, be, need to be using for all of your dog-related needs, whether it's garments, whether it's leashes and collars, whether it's uh, any, they've got many other kinds of tracking devices. Um, and it doesn't have to be for hounds or even hunting dogs. Anything that you need for your dogs, you can get from our buddies at W Hunting Supply. These guys are fighting the good fight for houndsmen. They're more than just a hound company. Um, they're they're really dedicated. They're our people, and uh, show them some support. Lastly, check out our buddies at Northwoods Bear Products. We're baiting bears right now. Season in Arkansas is about to open up, and uh, we've been using Gold Rush Fry Grease Additive. We've been using the Gold Dust, which is their powder. It's uh, it comes in almost like a big salt shaker type container and is uh, sweeter than sugar and you put it on your bait they've got all they've got a whole lot of commercial sense if you're baiting bears it makes zero sense to not use commercial sense and i'm not just saying that i've been using northwoods bear products for many many years it's going to make your baits be more effective draw in more bears and that's the key to success when baiting bears more bears the better and you're going to get them there from scent check out our buddies at Northwoods Bear Products. I hold in my right hand broken dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, uh, you would call this a whale tail of an elkhorn. Is that right? Yep. Well, that's what describe that, Joe. It is the beautiful top point of what I would assume is a six point bull with the six point. And then that main beam just tails out. Now, is that the main beam or is that the main beam? You know, I've, I was holding it earlier trying to determine which one. I would guess that this is the main beam just because of the waviness of it. And it hooks in. And it kind of hooks hooks okay. back in. And then this is your point coming off. So this is the this is the back section of an elk antler. And yeah. Bear and I, and I'm going to get to the introductions of who is all here, but I, I don't want anyone to be confused about what's happened the last seven days broken dreams boys now Barrett, and i found this this was where some elk were presumably fighting broke off this is fresh and uh, super fresh we brought this home just the other day but uh now we're in montana we're in the Mer- missouri breaks of montana and uh hey it is awesome to have all you guys we've got ben o'brien yes sir uh ben we've uh we've known each other for 
couple years, I guess. That's right. But this is the first time we've really spent a lot of time together. Yeah, it's good. And uh, it's been, we've, well, we've been in camp now for four, I guess you've been here for four or five days. Four days, yeah. We've, we've been here for seven, seven days. Seven. Yeah. So Ben O'Brien and a lot of, everybody would know Ben from the Hunting Collective. Um, Colby the Bear Tech Moorhead. He's always back there. Yeah. I didn't know his name, nickname was the Bear Tech. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. that. The, yeah. pe- the people named him that. <laughs> the, the, the people. The people. The people did. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I was thinking Bear Greaser, but Bear Tech. <laughs> greaser. Yeah, the Bear yeah, the, Tech. The Greaser just and makes things smooth. And then we've got yeah. Bryce. Suhane. No name. Oh, Bryce, <laughs> no name. Man. So Bryce, uh, I, I should introduce Joe before I introduce you because I know you because of Joe. But uh, no, <laughs> Bryce Suhey, we... We got to start off with this joke. So, well, hold on. You, we're coming to you last. All right. Got Joe Farinato here to my right. <laughs> yep, that's and me. Joe, this is Joe's camp. Joe's the one that hooked it, told us all kind of where to put in. I'm the one who garholed y'all. Yes, you are also <laughs> the one who garholed us up in the Missouri breaks. No, um, so, Joe, you work for Peterson's Hunting. Yes, sir. That's a new job for you. This is a new job. I so used to work with old Ben O'Brien. That's yeah. We're now foes. We were friends. Yeah, <laughs> that's why we're sitting across from each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're the. Uh, what do you do for Petersons? I'm the associate editor. Associate yep. editor, Petersons Hunting Magazine. Yep. Awesome. We may come back to that. Okay. The. It's a good thing to come. So back I, to. I, I, we're still on introductions here. So I knew Bryce because of that. These guys couldn't come right away. So Ben and Joe couldn't come. Joe just said, hey, my buddy Bryce is coming. He's going to be there Tuesday. He, he has like, no last name. Just my buddy Bryce. And then so he he gives you my phone number, I think. Yep. I get a message from just random phone number, and it's like, hey, when are you coming into camp? And so we just start communicating like we're just like, like we've known each other forever. Then we meet up at camp, like way out in the middle of nowhere. Yep. And for like two full days – we're just buddying around, and uh, and Bryce is a way more experienced elk hunter than me and Colby and Bear. True story. And he's a good elk hunter. And, uh, I mean, he's he's got a game plan. He's telling us what he thinks we should do. All very much appreciated stuff. And uh, at one point, we were moving camp mm-hmm. on Bryce's Word. suggestion. And Colby said, Clay, we don't even know Bryce's name. <laughs> and we're, we're doing everything he says, <laughs> which turned out to be great, Bryce. Yeah. So, Bryce Suhey, say hey, say hi, Bryce. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Bryce. Now you're a you're a physician's assistant in Bozeman, Montana. I am work at the urgent care in town. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And a houndsman. I am. Yep. Yeah. New, newer into that, but it's been a lot of fun uh, chasing cats and running hound dogs. Right on. Right on. Well. Ben, uh, describe... Wait, wait, wait. Don't forget. Oh, sorry, buddy. <laughs> Bear John Newcomb. Yep. Say hello. Hello. Bear is my 14-year-old son. He uh, he got to skip a week and a half of school to uh, to come down here. We uh, He had to guarantee me that he was going to be very diligent in his studies to get caught up and stuff. So he he guaranteed me he could do that. So we let him come. He's kind of been the camp assistant. He's a good hand on the mules. He's uh, good at just doing what you tell him. Doesn't cause much trouble. So that's yeah. right. This is your first time on the podcast, though. No, we uh, turkey camp, turkey camp, and last year, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yep, you're right. You've been on here a bunch. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. He made um, his own knife, he said, with his grandfather. He showed it to me. Yeah. Yeah. See, He's a handy boy. I know a lot of 30-year-old men that have made a knife in their lives. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've got, a cool, we've got a cool grandpa, too. He's a knife maker. Very cool. Uh, um, ben, we, me and you have been hunting together some the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Uh you did the same thing to me earlier today. Describe kind of the Missouri breaks and kind of the hunting. Because yeah. what I didn't know was like, is this a good area? Is this an average area? Is this a it's bad awful. area? And no one should come here ever. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's terrible. This particular <laughs> area, here. no one should ever come. But to the breaks, go for Actually, it. Actually, that's true. This, uh, they only tough. have seven by sevens here. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> There's only I haven't seen a raghorn yet. It's only been giant elk. But now this, like, like you said on my podcast a little bit ago that we recorded, it's broken country. You know, we we're used to big head walls and canyons and um, thick timber, know, big timber, and uh, where we're we're at in Bozeman there in southeast Montana. And this is this country's broken. It has seems it has like islands of good elk country. You know, we look into this landscape, and there'll be a sagebrush sea, and then a little creek bottom, and then you'll have some ridges that look that have fingers. You know, we said earlier, if you hold your hand out, just hold your hand out and point it south. If you if you spread your fingers out, you can kind of picture a lot of what you're doing here. You're, if your arm is the ridge, you walk across the ridge, then each one of your fingers is a little finger ridge that goes down into a drainage, and that's a lot of the country that you are hunting here. And um, while it's good elk country, it just seems to have pockets or little areas that seem to be a good elk country in what can be huge canyon walls and we've seen so it's, some of it's real open but then a lot, there's a lot of these uh there, there'll be small pockets of timber yeah yeah and the timber is what attracts them the cover the you know their edge animals like deer or anything else so that's what attracts them for bedding and for just general uh living quarters and and, and that's what this is and you're you're oftentimes up on a high point glass and and or probably more often just walking these spine of these ridges, top of these ridges, and walking down the fingers and trying to locate elk sometimes down in the drainages, sometimes off across but, on a so bench. So today's September the 20th, which would, Joe, would that be like classic elk rut bugle time? I mean, I mean it, it changes everywhere you go, right? Like different elk in different parts of the world are going to or country will will rut at different times but according to what i've heard out here this is super late for this year like for them not to be running this would be kind of like the tail end of of the peak rut hmm. right now um you know last week was supposed to be the time hmm. type of thing so but it but it hasn't been hasn't been hasn't been at all i mean we've definitely heard some bugles definitely seen yeah. some bulls running around but it hasn't seemed like there's been a lot of hot cows and there haven't been, you know, all those bulls running around crazy like they're. You know, the other day from our camp, before we left, we heard a lot of elk bugles. If you had told me that, if you had said, Clay, from your camp, you're going to be able to hear elk bugle. Eight I would, different elk I would have just been like, give us a couple of days and yeah. we'll have them killed. And I've never killed an elk before, so that's pretty bold of me to think that. But that's what I would have thought. I just would have thought if they're if we're hearing them bugle and they're that close to us, this is something that we can attain. Mm-hmm. But why haven't we been able to kill one? Because we, we don't have any of those dumb raghorns. They're only big seven by sevens that are super smart. And I'm good at missing <laughs> those big seven by sevens. You did miss one the second day. Second day, yeah. shot just under him. Biggest bull I've ever seen. Uh, uh. 
Mm. But yeah. it just has to do with the country we're hunting. The way everything's so broken and this timber, you're never going to see embedded in it because they go to these these timbered up areas that are super dark, have great thermal cover. It's really comfortable for them. And, you know, you're never going to see them when they're bedded. So you have really, um, like, a narrow window of opportunity when That's they're it. moving from water to bedding areas to feeding areas things like that and since there aren't these bulls just roaming hills going crazy looking for cows right now it's a little bit harder to get on them now so that's what you'd be taking advantage of because i mean where y'all are from ben it's like almost 100 percent timber am i right or is it pretty there's there's open meadows there's open meadows big open meadows but when you're up on the when you're up in the high country it's it's mostly timber you know, but it's the, sa- it's the same game, elk moving from water to feed, and you're trying to capitalize on the elk rut where these elk are. Yeah, this are is no different. It is increased very much activity. Yeah, it's very much no different than whitetails. I mean, it, and it's in the description of kind of how it sets up because they're crepuscular, right? They move at dawn and dusk. With whitetails in the early season, you're you're hunting them bed to feed, feed to bed, bed to feed, right? You're cutting them off. You're trying to be in a place where they want to be, right? By the food or by the bedding generally by the food and then when the rut comes in you just need to be in the woods and be in a travel corridor generally where does are going to hang out or something like that it's yeah. not so dissimilar here although elk you know really treat these mountains a lot differently than a whitetail treat you know somebody's farm in the midwest but you, you are hunting them in the early season bed to feed feed to bed and you're trying to get to a wallow you're trying to understand where they're moving and early, you know, this is what three weeks into the season. In the early season, they're not as receptive to calling, but you still call anyway to locate them to figure out where they are and see if you can get one to play. And that's where the raghorns come in. <laughs> yeah. You just need one silly raghorn, just like one fired up tom. If you're turkey hunting, same same idea. But then when the rut comes in, you just got to be out here and you got to be vocal and you got to be on the mountain putting boots where as many places you possibly can. You know? What do you, what do you think about these guys that tell us that you can't call elk out here? Like I've heard that. Mul- I've heard that from did, half a dozen. Did they people. say that everywhere though? No, no. That's that's. I mean, they say that hear. in Colorado where there's a hunter on every ridge, literally. Joe's first day out, he called in a six by six to thirty, 30 yards. Just had a tree in the way, yeah. and that bull was no had no cows with it by itself. He came in pretty hot. Yeah, the way. How was- far did he come from? We just heard crashing from the bottom. Of, I'm guessing he was bedded in that north facing timber, and he came in hot. We we were pursuing another him. bull. Yeah. No, I bugled. I bugled. We that were first going time. after a seven by seven with what six cows mm-hmm. who had just crossed that ridge. We yeah. didn't know we crossed the ridge yet. We still thought he was in the bottom, mm-hmm. and then yeah. Joe bugled, and he we heard crashing in the timber, assuming it was that that seven with cows, and it was a lone six who was probably bigger than that seven. Mm-hmm. He was really big, but like the whole thought process there with with calling, I I think you'll you'll hear a lot of people say you can't call elk in certain places. I think it's a lot to do with not knowing proper calling techniques and stuff, because if you get the right calls and you talk like you're an elk, like you're you're going to be able to call them pretty much wherever you are. People say calling's less effective out here, um, because lots of the places you're hunting in the breaks, I I would presume are more open. And the the visual cues of elk, like you're never going to call, call a big bull across an open meadow just because he, he can't, can't see. see the cow making the noise or the bull yeah. making the noise. And he's going to be like, oh, that's weird and walk the other way. Yeah. Um, but like out here, when we, when we were pursuing that seven by seven, like we ran up the ridge, we went up as fast as we could. We were trying to bulldog him, get in his grill with his cows 
scream at him like I'm a big angry bull that's going to steal his cows and he's going to come in to face off. And what happened there is like we, we already missed him. Like he already got over the ridge, but I still called assuming he was below us. And then that other big six by six was like, you know, right in there. And we got pretty lucky in that circumstance, but he came crashing right into that call. Yeah. And if the wind hadn't switched, that bull would have been that's the 100% other, dead. That's the other thing out here is, you know, we say there's just a bunch of finger ridges, but every ridge has so many different pockets and, and different terrain. And so on the same ridge, you might have wind work in five different directions. And it's not that it's swirling, but 10 yards down the ridge, it has its own thermal pattern. Exactly, because so the ridge switches directions. Learning the thermal patterns in here is tough. Um, I don't think you can really learn tough. them. No. <laughs> yeah, think, as much as you could look at the topographical map and be like, it's going to go. The, yeah. You just, I think you could get lucky. <laughs> as, as our friend Chase Durden said, you just got to charge through the bad wind and yeah. get to the good wind. And yeah. that, that's not a, not a bad strategy here. I mean, it just, mm-hmm. it is, it's, it's got, it's got its own idiosyncrasies in the way that you would haunt a place like this. And I think people are right. It is a visual. These elk might be more visual creatures because they can see more because they have that ability and they hang out. Mm-hmm. In this more sparse, sparsely timbered and open country, but that doesn't—I mean, that doesn't—that doesn't eliminate calling. It just makes it a little bit of a different dynamic. And at the same time, I don't think—I don't know—I don't know how many people hunt the breaks. We haven't seen that many hunters in the last three days. But elk in accessible places like the one we're in get hunted a lot anyway. No matter where they are in the state of Montana or any state—Colorado, Wyoming—they're going to get hunted in accessible places. So. I get what folks are saying that these elk just are a little bit different and they do seem to be different than other elk that I've uh, encountered in the way that they move and act. But uh, you know, calling is a, that's a hunter, hunter versus elk thing always. And if the elk's receptive and the hunter's good at calling, yeah, yeah, make it work. I think a lot of people might be saying you can't call out here too, saying like, leave the hoochie mama at home. Like you can't come out and blow on, on any sort of call and they just come running like in some places where elk are just conditioned to where, you know where any is that place sound. that's where i want to go you know i haven't found it <laughs> but i've seen it on tv joe is uh what's your favorite bow hunt i mean are you is elk hunting your favorite thing uh it's definitely one of my favorites i mean i would take all of september off if i could every year um what's but, your favorite hunt? Oh, my favorite favorite hunt i, or I honestly so hard my favorite species if so i could you've hunt one species me. for the rest of my life it'd be bighorn sheep have you ever hunted bighorn sheep i haven't but i want to okay <laughs> but that is definitely how my do you favorite know you'd like it species. joe i'm just kidding i don't i don't know <laughs> if i would like it hey, but we saw bighorn sheep. the allure of hunting bighorn okay. sheep just mm-hmm. is yeah we saw two giant big. bighorn rams yeah, joe just, said this, right this is worth here. this is worth everything just to yeah. see i was like i would hike down here a thousand times yeah i said man i've i've been in camp where sheep hunting occurred and i've been around when other people are sheep hunting and it just seemed to it doesn't get me that way it seems mm. boring to me sheep seem compared to a giant forest horse that's running around bugling trying to knock stuff over sheep seem like a docile bedded creature that are stuck up high in the mountains and can't get down here th- you're you're leaning into what i'm trying to get to which is i haven't decided if i like elk hunting or not so i'm kind of <laughs> being serious it's frustrating <laughs> it's well, really frustrating uh, it's it's you know, there's some hunts that if you if you play your game right, which is a whole lot of work, you you have it's like if you do these things you'll be successful. And now those things might be really, really hard. Elk hunting has that same thing. If you do these things you'll be successful. 
but those things are are so variable and are so difficult if you don't live in elk country. And Ben and I have been talking about kind of the transient hunter. Like it's really hard to go somewhere for seven days and kill an elk or really to kill anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to do a whole lot of things right. Mm-hmm. And and that's the fun part of it. That's the challenging part of it. But it's also the hard part of it. And, you know, like back in Arkansas, anything that I hunt locally, you know, I've kind of got it dialed in. And I can go certain days and not go another day or take off three days here and go. And that's such an advantage to doing what we did, well, what all of us did on this hunt, which is just bomb out somewhere for seven days. And uh, and then, you know, if they aren't, if the elk aren't bugling or if these certain factors aren't there, then it's just, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm being sarcastic when I, or, or, or uh, uh, hyperbolic, I'm, exaggerate and make a point that is just tough what's your favorite thing to hunt ben <sighs> and and i'm going to end up with y'all trying to convince me to be an elk hunter because i've hunted two years and it's done this to me i'm holding up the broken the broken point <laughs> broken dreams it's the broken bro- the whale tail of broken dreams this t- this antler yeah. is basically clay Newcomb's spirit it's ba- it looks like a middle fi- it looks like a middle <laughs> finger I, you know, I, I'm, cl- I'm, uh, turkeys is the answer. Okay. And it's not close, but elk are like moving towards the top, you know, are, okay. are definitely number two. Well, they've got some similarities. Yeah. For there's, yeah. There's really? Other, other than you like big game more than turkey hunting. What's that now? Yeah. You like you said you like sheep more than elk. They don't even do anything, Joe. They sit around. <laughs> Have you ever been in the mountains and heard rams butt heads? Yeah, I've seen it. The I've crack is amazing. Yeah, they so do that like once every eight years. Like, that's cool. <laughs> they're they're just stuck up there and they can't get down. And the country is really cool. Yeah, that's the, I, the I, reason I people like them because they live in cool country, but they yeah. can't get down. They're stuck up there. They're lazy. They barely even move. You know, like <laughs> I think they're it might monarchs. be most they're of them are blind in one eye. Like they can't. Hey, I, I I like where you're. To a sheep hunt would be a slower paced hunt. Mm-hmm. It would be more like strategy and trying to find, as opposed to just like run and gun. If you could distill it down to that something that simple, yeah. and honestly, that's what I like about spring bear hunting. Is it's like you may only see one bear the whole week, but and you're not going to be chasing bear every day, but Actually, that's what I enjoy about it. So, I, like, you yeah, know, the sheep hunting. The way ones. I would describe sheep hunting. Not that I'm not. I, that I wouldn't go if you guys offer me a trip. I would definitely go. But I just think he's like here's sheep hunting. That in my experience with other folks doing it, climb, climb, climb. This is it's amazing country. It's hard to get there. We finally crest the summit. We look around. We find a sheep we can actually kill, and then we walk over there and shoot it while it's munching some grass. Like the actual hunting of the animal is only difficult because of the country that it lives in. And, of course, they have great vision, sense of smell, and all that, like everything else. It is kind of a do-or-die um, hunt. And I'm talking about a hunt I've never done. So you take that for Both of you guys are talking about hunts you've never done. Yeah, we, but it's like hunts we've dreamed of. And yeah. I, yeah. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, like, an elk hunt is kind of like pizza. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like, think about the attitude you'd be in if you were like, you know what? Tonight we're getting pizza. You would kind of be like, kind of like exciting mm-hmm. um, variety. Mm-hmm. And like a bighorn sheep hunt would be like, you know what? We're going out to 
Help me, Joe. Help Ruth's me with this. Chris Steakhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're gonna Both get all of them are great. Up. Yeah. We're all, Both of them are great. All dressed up for a lesser experience. Bryce, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what's your favorite thing to hunt? Oh, man. I think if you were to tell me right now there's a bugling bull over the ridge or a uh, fresh cat track, I think I'd be uh, dumping dogs on that cat track. Really? Yeah. Good. Yeah. But um, outside that, mule deer. I love watching mule deer in the rut. Um, to me, that's one of the one of my favorite things to to get after and watch. I think it's more a little bit more of an exciting um, hunt rather than just you know your first light and, and last light. Um, okay, because you're a lot able more to stalk action. the animals yeah. during the day when they're bedded because you can see them and find them. Yeah, just a little bit more patternable, and uh, I think you can see a lot more animals. But yeah, probably probably mule deer or chasing cats nice nice fair favorite species um i would say turkeys if we had more of them but i've only been on like one turkey yeah for real but i think probably squirrel hunting squirrel hunting yes right here buddy <laughs> yep you've raised it, you've raised this child correctly okay he's not a child <laughs> now i'm kind of teeing you up for this with dogs or without dogs with dogs for sure. <laughs> that's a dumb question <laughs> <laughs> See that see that full elk horn? We also have a full sh- set of sheds. That elk horn represents your spirit right now while you're talking about squirrel hunting. Full. This is broken because of elk hunting. <laughs> we'll, put, we'll put you back together. <laughs> Favorite species? I don't know. I mean, for me, it's all like it changes with seasons. I know growing up it was like hog hunting or duck hunting. Uh, Colby right. came from East Texas, so they were yeah. big into whitetail, uh, uh, whitetail and hog yeah. hunting and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm really enjoying bear hunting, especially like the stuff with mules in Montana. Like that was that was a really fun hunt. Yeah, it's spring bear, not like yeah. haven't been as happy with fall bear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, when we go back to Arkansas, mm-hmm. we're coming up on like the pinnacle of our year. Yeah, which is the opening of the Arkansas bear season, um, and. I'll tell you guys a little story or, or a little scenario that's been happening while we were here. So my buddy, James Lawrence, he's 72. James is 72. And me and him are like, we're like best buddies, bear hunting buddies. He lives in some really good country. And uh, he uh, he lives in good bear country. He knew that I was going to be on this hunt. So he's been baiting bears for me. And he actually rented a cabin down where we hunt for my whole family to come stay this upcoming weekend to bear hunt. And while we were gone, my daughter drove my daughter and other son on their own accord drove two hours down to where we hunt to go bait bears with James. So I thought that was pretty cool that my seventeen year old daughter she worked hard for it too. She her mom there was some logistical challenges and so but she ended up driving all the way down there and spent the whole day with James baiting bears along with my younger son. So we're getting pumped for this weekend mm-hmm. for bear camp, fall bear camp. Mm-hmm. And it it's fun, man. We uh we have some we have some good bears too. But if I were to pick my favorite species, uh you know, bear would have to be up there at the top, but whitetail. I mean, I grew up whitetail hunting. And um that I mean, that was all we did. Whitetails and, you know, small game and stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, elk hunting is so, it's so, um, it's such a glamorous animal. I mean, <laughs> there's no denying, like, and that's why I'm here. 
it's a spectacular beast, man. I mean, this, you know, like Ben's called it the forest horse, you know, but they, the vocalizations they make, the places they live, the antler structure, I mean, the, how good the meat is. I mean, it's an incredible beast, no doubt. And the media has glamorized elk hunting so much that us poor southern boys come up here and try to kill elk. <laughs> and it's tough. They didn't tell me, Joe. It's a tough hunt. <laughs> when it, it comes together, it's, it, when it yeah. all comes together, it's it's pretty special. Well, listen, you just said it. I, I'm, I'm monologuing here, but that's what's messed up about this whole deal. Elk hunting stinks. <laughs> it's true. For such a long period of time that when you kill one, it's really great. I, I can foresee that. Like, if I killed one, I would be like, I love elk hunting more than anything in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but it's only great because of how bad it was. Now tell <laughs> yeah. me how that works, Joe. I mean, for real. If it was easy, then... So so something is great because of how because bad of it was. You suffer. Yeah, because it, it's, the, it's the suffering. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like going on a, a nasty trip. Say, like, like climbing Mount Everest. You know, it's not fun while you're doing it, but you look back and you're like, oh man, that was amazing. And and I always kind of model my life when I'm doing stuff like that. It's like, if I'm going to go climb a mountain, might as well go climb Everest. So I come do something easy. Go give yourself that challenge. It'll be a more memorable experience. How much respect would you have for elk if you drove all the way out here from Arkansas, get to camp, get out of your pickup, grab your bow and shoot an elk? Then you'd be like, man, these animals are the, are the easiest things to hunt ever. <laughs> then it'd just be grocery shopping. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. It's it's that way with every hunt. You know, the amount of work you put into yeah. it is what gives it value. Yeah. And I understand that. Well, I, really I mean, do. like, even though we haven't, you know, I mean, th- I think this has been a great hunt. We've had bulls every day yeah. bugling. Y'all, okay. Uh, y'all tell me why it's been a great hunt. Go. Man, we, me and Joe are on bulls. Man, bulls bugling every day. Big bulls running around. I've never been to a place where I've seen so many big bulls. Yeah. Like, I, I've seen a lot of big bulls in the, my past few elk seasons, but never all at the same time in the same place. Yeah. Like, I might see one, you know, really big 350 bull once a season. You're like, wow, that was a big bull. But, I mean, every bull we've seen out here, besides one that I can think of, went over 350. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that every single bull that I've laid eyes on, besides the one that we jumped at five yards, that (laughs) That you should have shot. That I should have shot. You should not have taken over Bryce's head. Through my head. I should have shot through his head. You're going to have to get to our Bryce-isms later, okay? You should never never take my health and safety before an elk's. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, like, every bull, besides that one, have just been absolutely huge. I mean, the first morning I got here, we run out. Send you guys after a bugle. Bryce and I take off chasing another bugle, which is already like that's a great day right there. Yeah, you know you got two different bulls bugling. You're you're choosing what bugles you're going to run after when it's not even when it's not even shooting light yet. Right out of camp, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So that was great. And I mean, we take off, we run over ridges, literally run over ridges, and all of a sudden, like we jump two spikes in the bottom, so we we slow down for a minute, and. We're like, man, it wasn't those spikes bugling. Like, there's no way. And we see one of the spikes let out a bugle, like just does the wimpy little bugle. And I was like, yeah, it definitely wasn't them trying to. And all of a sudden we hear this big bugle. And Bryce and I both look at each other like, that wasn't the spike. Yeah. <laughs> and coming over the ridge is just, there's this little funnel of five cows. 
and this massive Dinosaur. seven by seven just yeah. screaming behind him, just just letting it all out. And I just see antlers coming over the ridge, and I'm like, "Well, it's a big bull. It's a really <laughs> big bull." And then the whole hunt just like was modeled after that. Every time I laid eyes on bulls, like it, they were just huge. Well, that was a joke before you guys got here. That you know, the first day we were in a different area, I, I moved spots to see if we couldn't get on more elk. And man, right away, I'm on one of the biggest bulls I've ever seen. Yeah, miss him. But the next morning, get up, um, bulls bugling everywhere. Get on a. I was a little bit behind a, a another seven by seven and his cows, and kind of just crept and followed them all the way up the mountain. Next thing you know, I'm, you know, 80 yards from them and my wind had been good the whole time and snuck in to make my kind of my final approach and they blew out pretty hard because wind switched in their little thermal pattern. But then the next bull after that I saw was another seven by seven and the first four bulls I've, I've seen were all sevens and that was kind of the joke was that, man, we, I think we they only have looking. seven by sevens in, in we, this basin. We need some little ones, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's one thing we were saying, like, what kind of elk hunting is this? I said, it's hard. It's, it's. You know, harder maybe than others, easier than some. I, you know, however, I haven't yeah. run all the elk in all places, but this definitely the reward would be bigger here than most places. Like you have the opportunity to kill a giant elk here where we are sitting right now, which no one will ever know about. But mm-hmm. um, it's it's tough hunting, but the you know if you could figure them out and yeah. get lucky. Well, see, hearing you guys say this is it's calibrating me because you, you know this is my second my second hunt bear and i went to colorado last year just three weeks before season decided we were going to be elk hunters never blown an elk call picked up a bugle call from or a bugle tube from phelps and some diaphragm calls and i was a pretty good turkey caller so the the diaphragm worked pretty good for me we bombed out to a guy just said go here a pretty good elk hunter just said general area he just said Go to this spot and you ought to find elk. I said, okay. We went out there. Elk hunted. We were only there four and a half days, but we we ended up finding some elk. Had one encounter with an, with with two raghorn bulls. Called them in. Ended up passing them. Everybody's heard this story. We ended up passing them because we thought they weren't legal. Turns out they were legal. So had the an op- missed opportunity. But other than that, I've had very this is only my second time elk hunting, so it, it helps me to hear you guys talk about how, really how great this is. And obviously, I'm I'm joking about you know not liking elk hunting, but the one thing that is, and this is probably something that like new hunters would experience, and I would be new into this world, is after you've done something and been successful multiple times in multiple places over multiple years you begin to have this like equation inside of you that this much work will usually equate to success and you can bank on that. So in all that work, I mean, that's the way it is with my whitetail hunting, with my bear hunting, with my squirrel hunting, with my training coon dogs. It's like, if I just put this time in, it's going to end up fruitful. I don't know that equation yet with elk. I've got, one piece from last year when Bear and I hunted. I've got a new piece that I hoped would be the piece that would put some elk in my freezer. And we've still got a day left, so it may yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
it turns out this puzzle might be bigger than I thought, boys. <laughs> might need more pieces. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, it's a, it might be a thousand-piece puzzle, man. I don't know. No. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't have a thousand <laughs> elk hunts, Ben. Well, here's what happens. is Sometimes you, you're looking at trying to put this puzzle together, and you walk out in the woods, you make a sound, the elk comes running in, you shoot it, and it seems like the easiest thing in the world. Now, everybody who's listening to this who's ever turkey hunted will re- understand what I'm talking about. Because if you get some swamp guy, whether it's stuck back in some swamp in Louisiana or, you know, probably in Arkansas or in a place where he just doesn't, he is not going to do what you want him to do. You have to have the next level of, you know, experience to know what right. to do when you're presented with, you know, an animal that's wary of your So you think activities. I'm learning stuff that's going to help me with the next puzzle piece. Absolutely. And like I said, I've had, I had a friend you know, co-worker this year who just walked out on the ridge and went meow, meow, and the elk ran in and shot it, and then it was over. I had just been on that ridge three hours prior doing the same noise in the same exact way he was. And so the fact that he killed that... He should split that elk with you. Yeah. (laughs) he, I pretty much called it half of the way in, and then he brought it the rest of the way. He, You know, so I told him, I said, that is just you being there and that elk being there. And, and, and see, at the right time. And I, you know, I had hunted that spot for five days and he came in for one day. That's what I felt like. I mean, I know I'm not a good elk hunter. Um, I'm proficient at getting around the backcountry and understanding stuff people tell me and trying to execute it in the field. But I was still banking on that if I just worked really hard for seven days, I'd get lucky. If nothing else, you know what I mean? I mean, because every time you pop over one of these little ridges, you know, at about 30 minutes before dark, you're like, this is the time we're about to get lucky. Slap bear on the shoulder and say, get, be ready, buddy. And you pop over the ridge and like, why isn't there a, you know, a raghorn bull feeding down there with a cow at, you know, 50 yards. It just didn't happen. Well, the frustrating part is, you know, some, somebody else might come up here tomorrow while you're here or the next day or Thursday or Friday or Saturday and do to walk on the exact same ridge where you were today, do the exact same thing that you did in the exact same proficiency and kill an elk. Yeah. And that's where the randomness and the luck and all those other factors come into play. And that's where just endurance and persistence ultimately end up winning. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I told you earlier today in all my hunting where I have been successful, it's not necessarily that I was good. It's just that I lasted longer than. Yeah some of my some other people yeah. and they might say man clay was a good hunter and i'd be like well i just lasted a little bit longer <laughs> what do you guys think well, Joe, t- you're, the totally editor, you're the editor of peterson's hunting you need to have the answers what what do you think i totally agree it's t- it's time in the field if you are able to, like i would love to stay here for five more days and grind this out until there's a bull on the ground you know and do do i know that there'd be a bull on the ground in five days no but do I know that I would walk 20 miles every day and work really hard at it? Yeah. And as long as you're in the field, you're learning these animals, you're understanding their behaviors and like the, the terrain that you're working with and the funky wind that we keep getting. When you're in the field and you're working with it and you're learning it and you spend the time necessary, that's when you find that success. Because yeah. it's all about spending the time that you need to be out there. Yeah. And I mean, for us, we're lucky because we could go back to Bozeman and come back out here next weekend right. if we wanted to, which gives us the opportunity to learn it in stints throughout the, yeah. throughout the season instead of 
we have to come here and sit here for 15 days and learn it all at once. Yeah. Okay. Just imagine if you came out here every year and you knew where the elk were and you walked over there and killed one every time. That would be a completely different experience. You would It wouldn't be near as enjoyable as it is having to grind it out. It just wouldn't be. I'd That's say it's also pretty tough if you're saying, I mean, if you say, hey, you only have seven days to hunt elk and that is how your season is going to go. I've killed elk, but I've also spent a heck of a lot more than seven days. How many days did you days. hunt last year, Bryce, for elk? I hunted, I only usually only work like three days a week, and I probably hunted almost every day off from September to November and ended up killing a big bull last week of season with my rifle. Didn't you say it was like 50-something days? I don't know about 50, but it was a lot of days. Okay. I put in I put in a lot of work for that for that bull yeah. and uh, had a lot of opportunities, messed up on a lot of opportunities, but uh, I put in a lot more than seven days of the, yeah. in the season to get that bull on the ground. Yeah. So I think to only have seven days make, doesn't make it any easier or only and doesn't make it any less frustrating. Yeah. You know, I, I want to tell you something that I observed about all of you guys that it did not surprise me, but I'm kind of learning um, how generous all you guys were, all of you, with, uh, you know, kind of this elk camp philosophy. Like Bryce came in and he didn't know us either. And I mean, he was sharing his spots and you did a great job of articulating, um, you know, just what you thought the elk were doing. And you just kind of, I appreciated that and just sharing spots. And not that I've, I mean, when I'm hunting with somebody, I'm I'm not withholding information from. Them. I'm not saying that, but when you're elk hunting, I don't know. It's different than whitetail hunting. If this was a whitetail camp, back you know in wherever in the Midwest, um, you know you almost have to do it solo. Like if you're tree stand hunting, it's like this guy's going here, this guy's going here. But with elk hunting, a lot of times it's better to be in teams uh, for calling purposes for. Honestly, I think a lot of it is for mental purposes. I think having a buddy there that you can enjoy the experience with helps you grind a little bit harder. I mean, yeah, I've been analyzing definitely. this. It's like, why do they? Why are they going together? Why don't they split up? I think you go together because you like it, because you enjoy <laughs> being together, you enjoy hunting together, and uh, and and probably you can do better as a team. And, and I realize the calling aspects of a team, you know, you put somebody up front and somebody further back, but, uh, but no, just like with, uh, I mean, all you guys, like I, y'all were putting me out front a lot of times. Um, you and, drove a lot further than we did. Well, and, and, and that's, I, I appreciate that. I, I, I truly do. But I like that aspect of it. So much of the hunting that I do, it's kind of solo, you know, um, and even like bear hunting, like on a spring bear hunt, like if we this were a spring bear camp, we wouldn't be hunting together. I yeah. mean, it'd be like you go to that drainage, you go to that drainage, and but elk hunting kind of has a neat thing about it, which maybe is so normal to you guys. But uh, and Ben is just you know last couple of days he's just been like Clay, you ought to come with me, and so I'll go and and uh, it's been good. I've been learning a ton from Ben. So well, I like hunting with Pete. I'm not a solo hunter. I'm, there's a lot of people that are that like to be by themselves, that like to go out. Um, I'm just not, and I, yeah, I could explain it in a lot of ways, but I just like you know I like being with other people and sharing that knowledge, and and I just that's that gets me out of bed more than 
going out by myself and being alone and catching the solitude. I just, it's not something I need from see, hunting. That is, I would, and I was trying to describe this earlier. I love people. I love being around people. I enjoy people's, other people's success. Like, I think that's a big part of being a good human is, is doing that. But when it comes to hunting, I usually am find myself like gravitating towards isolation in actual hunting. Like, and that doesn't mean I'm not sharing spots. It doesn't mean I'm, I don't think it translates necessarily to being stingy or something, but like, it's like, you go that way, I'll go this way. I appreciated, I could tell that Ben, that like, you didn't want me to go with you to help you because I didn't have anything to offer. And I knew you wanted to kill an elk. And I knew that if I went with you, there was probably a fair chance that I'd be the one shooting. Mm -hmm. So I I didn't want to push that on you. But our time together was valuable. I learned a ton from you. I wish I could have hunted with you guys a little bit more or, or at all. I mean, I heard your stories and heard your commentary on your hunts, which was really valuable to me. But uh, uh, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think for sure when you think about elk hunting tactically it's better to be have someone else there so you can have a caller you have somebody to be stomping around in the background raking trees doing anything it takes to get that elk all the way in there i mean that is absolutely tactically uh an advantage that you would want and so it, you know those two things combined you're like you might as well just do it um and and certainly being able to if you want to get to know somebody and you value them go in the woods with them and if you start arguing over stuff and you start not – one person wants to drive the conversation, the other person doesn't want to listen or vice versa. Somebody's just going to fo- – somebody's a follower, somebody's a leader. If you really want to get to know somebody and whether you could be friends with them or you want to spend time around them, take them out in the woods. Take them out elk hunting because one person's going to want to go up the ridge. One person's going to go down. One person might want to be cautious. One person might want to run in. That's It's a good way to – to really you know suss out how much you can stand each other yeah. for sure test uh, the capacities of your relationship it really it is yeah man and and that's not the reason you do it but that's something you yeah. find out about yourself what, you know how can you communicate with another person in these often tense situations yeah and also i don't feel like i'm being giving by bringing someone along that's probably going to shoot the elk and i'm probably not i want to see an elk die i've never called in an elk for another person i've called in elk and never gotten shots but i've never called in an elk that someone that has run in and been shot by someone else and i would value that as much as i would a dead bull by my arrow 100 yeah. percent. i think it's the, yeah. it's the same as if if joe would have shot shot a bull next to me i would have been just as excited for yeah. him mm-hmm. than i would be if i would have shot it and i know that joe would feel the same way and that's why it's fun to hunt yeah together. you man that that yeah. right there is the is the qualifying factor for people that you want to hunt with i don't want to hunt with someone that if i shoot something they're pissed off and yeah run in the other direction and say that yeah. should have been mine yeah. yeah you know yeah, you always find that with duck hunting when you're in a there's four people in a blind and a bunch of ducks come in and you shoot two and then somebody's like i got that one i got that one i'm like we got up some ducks you know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah man yeah. it doesn't matter who got the ducks it's matters yeah. that the ducks are on the ground let's shoot our limit and we'll divide them up yeah. um that's how it often happens in that situation there's no way to know who shot what in yeah. some of those volleys but it's the same here you there's a you know five of us or four of us with tags here in this tent one of us shooting a bull to me would have been i would have probably told the story like it was me i'd be yeah. like you know, there was clay and he was i would have told it like it was me and been i wouldn't have been like oh yeah buddy in camp got one i would have told the story as if our camp got one our camp got our team got one yeah our camp got one yeah that's what matters instead we have a 
broken antler. <laughs> 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 I'm going to say our hey, team got a broken antler. We had our spirits broken. But, no, uh, it, 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 this whole experience has been super valuable, whether any of us killed an elk or not. I think we all came in here with expectations that we would do better than we did, probably. I, mean, all, I think you always do, right? You got to. Yeah, you have to come in thinking that you're going to find the successor. What's the point in going if you know you're not going right. to kill something? Right. Yeah. We had our, I mean, I, I couldn't ask for any more. I had a shot. I was the only one that, yeah. that had that, but I, I had a shot, and it was and, 100% and on me ben missing. Ben could have killed a cow. Yeah. Joe uh, could have killed like 10 cows and yeah. the Bryce and a couple of velvet kill. spikes. Okay, we'll see. Now, I it, I had probably the best shot of the trip. Like, I could have killed that 320 bolt. You know, I had him dead to rights, except Bryce's head was in the way. Okay, yeah, that's right. So <laughs> he, was wondering, that. <laughs> he was wondering why I wasn't shooting, and I had an arrow knocked, but wasn't at full draw because he was just mm. below this little bluff, and I knew he was somewhere around there, but I couldn't see him, and Joe was about 10 yards behind me, higher up. So, in from his perspective, I have this six by six bull probably about 320 um at 15 yards standing perfectly broadside and i'm not drawing my bow yeah and i mean he stood there for it seemed like forever it was probably 45 seconds but it was long enough so like when we first when he first got bumped like i saw the antlers cow called to him he stopped perfectly and like he didn't get our wind or anything like he just stopped looked back and like he, he stopped in the perfect spot where his view was kind of hidden by a tree, so he stayed longer. And uh, I I had time enough to pull my rangefinder out of its pouch, range him twenty five, put it back in, knock an arrow for myself, and look back at Bryce and go, "Why isn't he shooting?" And the whole time mm. I'm wondering why he Joe isn't shooting because I know I can't see him and I don't yeah. want to move out and bump him because I figured Joe has a shot, but mm. Joe was yeah. being he was taking safety. Yeah, I would have had to put my pin like right next head. to Bryce's head, maybe like a <laughs> couple inches off to the left. Mm. So I, I figured that wasn't, you know, yeah, a, a good shot to take. But when but you yeah. start talking about all the chances that we had, you know, and and I had one fair opportunity at uh, at cows and some spikes. Uh, and I didn't push it. I I felt like I could have got within bow range of him. You know, is that more? And I stalked down. And I think the closest I got was 128 yards. But we were intentionally staying back because we felt like there was a bull going to be coming any second. If had I targeted that elk, which I would today, like today, if I see a cow elk, I mean, I'm like going after it like it's a Boone and Crockett bull. <laughs> um, you know, I, I feel like I could have got within bow range of those elk. So, boy, it's not been for for lack of seeing animals um lots of opportunity and lots of effort yeah so i mean what what more can you ask of a hunting camp than that lots of opportunity and yeah. lots of effort yeah the opportunity yeah. thing is important because i've been in places where you you know even traveling talk about like transient hunting like going to an outfitter or, you know, i went one time went to newfoundland and the outfitter said he said uh what do you want to do after you kill your moose mm-hmm <laughs> So well, don't talk to me like that. How dare you? <laughs> he, are you guaranteeing me I kill a moose? He's like, well, we normally get a good bull in the first two or three days, and you're going to want to do you want a canoe in the lake or fish? Just start thinking about kind of the things you want to do with your free time once you kill your moose. I thought, wow, this is the worst thing an outfitter's ever said to me mm. ever because he, setting that expectation is foolish. You know, it's yeah. just foolish. You want to say we're going to hunt really hard. There's a lot of moose around. We know where they are. We'll do our best. 
the rest are up to you and the moose. He didn't say that. And I went, I hunted for seven or I think eight days total we hunted and didn't see a moose. Didn't oh, wow. lock eyes on any, a single hair on a moose. And, you know, you realize at that moment, like those were false expectations. The expectations should be get out there, hunt hard, have a good opportunity. I mean, we had opportunities. If we could figure these elk out and you had time and, and you got or, or luck on your side, you could you could kill a giant elk here and not one that you probably wouldn't see in many other places in the state of Montana that you can draw fairly frequently, you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah. I mean, that alone is enough to draw you here and keep you here for a while. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely not going to kill a small one because they're just not here. There, I haven't seen a small elk they the entire week. They go from velvet spikes yeah. to like 320. There's a velvet yeah. spike and when they're they, a seven by seven. When, when Bryce and Joe didn't get that one. Uh, they, didn't Bryce say, well, that's the smallest one we've that's seen. That's the smallest <laughs> one we've seen. <laughs> well, honestly, uh, I thought he didn't want to shoot it. Uh, when when uh, he was just standing there, I was kind of like, "That that there's no way he's passing on this bull. <laughs> <laughs> Bryce, Bryce. That's Bryce, what I did, Bryce. guys. I he just, you know, Bryce. I had it there, and it was, I I only wanted to shoot a 7x7. Seven seven. He's like, I already mm. missed a 7x7. Seven seven. Yeah. There's no way I could down. We've been, so uh, <laughs> we, can't, we can't talk about, we can't have Bryce on here without... I've been giving Bryce a hard time this whole week. Well, first of all, because I didn't know your name until your la- your last name until yesterday. yesterday. Yep. So we went six days, and I didn't know your last name on and purpose. That, though. On purpose. We just I liked that we were friends and we were joining together in this pursuit of big game solely because we just were elk hunters. We're elk hunters. I don't need to know your last name. Um, Bryce was such a good dude, though. That anytime anything bad would happen, we would blame it on him because clearly it wasn't his fault. And so every time when we when he sent me and one day, well Joe did too, but being Joe isn't is doesn't roll off the tongue as good as being Bryce. Yeah, being yeah, Farinado doesn't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> way worse. So one day yeah. they had spotted no this uh, big bull and seen where he bedded, and they were like, "Hey, why don't?" Ben, why don't you and Clay go in there this afternoon? And we were like, really? You're going to send us in on that bull? They were like, yeah, we just want to go somewhere else. So we went in there. We never saw the bull. We never saw an elk. And on the way out, I was like, we've been bryced. We've been bryced. (laughs) He was actually on the next ridge over. We just snuck around to that ridge. (laughs) I was like, they spooked all the I got here. They're like, you should go over there. Because we were a little bit surprised that they would send us into the spot where they had just been on these big bulls. Well, so every every time this week anything hasn't gone right, we've been like, we've been bryced. We've been bryced. (laughs) We got bryced. Uh, It's over. I'll be the scapegoat. That's fine, man. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Somebody no, and uh, we uh, we were bugling over here. It, the people wouldn't be able to wouldn't be able to see. Bryce is pretty pretty fit elk hunter. So is Joe. Um, Bryce, you got a reputation in this camp of being able to you know charge charge the bugle, get after them, pound the dirt. We were bugling a few days ago, just kind of practicing. Ben and I just l- midday. And we were like, what if Bryce just came running across the drainage? <laughs> I said, he might, he would probably jump across the drainage. <laughs> we envisioned Bryce like running and jumping across the whole drainage. And then landing, realizing, realizing that that bugle was us. Like, he's going to uh, be mad at us. <laughs> we can't outrun him. Yeah. Barry, what do you think? You think we should come back here or should we go back to Colorado? We should definitely come back here. You think we, so? 
We only saw two elk in Colorado and yeah, didn't hear I a single had to bugle. Bring two si- okay, we're we're you know filming some of this hunt and stuff, and uh, I had to bring two cameramen. So they've been alternating. Colby and Bear have been alternating, and uh, so I'll wear one out in the morning <laughs> and then wear one out in the evening. We've been flipping back and forth. Do y'all think we need to bring three people next year? Or <laughs> are y'all good? No, we're good. We're what, good. We, we Colby, need to bring more because I'm gonna I'm gonna get a tag next year. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> okay yeah for real yeah bear what I, i'm gonna ask bear and then colby what just your full commentary on this hunt like bear you've kind of been like camp sidekick uh was it worth it are you ready to go home uh i think that we got to kill an elk before we go home because i mean we drove 21 hours up here and it's a lot better elk hunting than what we did in colorado because yeah. in colorado we went we rode forty miles in a week and didn't hear a single bugle and saw two elk. Yeah, and we didn't even have a dream. Yeah, we didn't holding <laughs> the broken horn again. Yeah, this is our Montana broken dream, which yeah. we actually have something in hand. Every September, you guys hold that together. Here, hold this. <laughs> hold it it's like a wishbone. It's a wishbone. <laughs> if you ever break it, but that's yeah, that's the best attitude of an elk hunter, right there. <laughs> We're staying here till we kill. Well, hey, just now, you got everybody's leaving except for us, and. Uh, I told I told Bear I said, "Hey, how about we just leave this afternoon with these guys?" And he looked at me and he said, "I thought we were going to kill an elk." <laughs> he said he said, "We need to we need to keep hunting." So he he's he meant that. He was like, "We need to stay." And I said, "So you're not ready to go home?" And he's like, "No." So we're going to stay. We're going to hunt stay tonight tomorrow one. morning. Yeah. You guys got more water, more food. Yeah, now. y'all y'all charged us up. We took water, we took Ben's bread, we took your quinoa. Whatever breed, man, those were good burritos, bro. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna cook some of that. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Joe, I'm sure you gave us something that we don't know about. I think he gave you some ground meat. Okay, you did. I knew you did. You gave us some <laughs> buffalo. Yep. Mm-hmm. Archery buffalo. killed buffalo. Yeah, that's valuable to us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Colby, thoughts? Yeah. No, this has been great. What do you think about these guys? Oh, it's been great. I mean, just uh, at camp, and you know, when you can just come in and give each other a hard time instantly, it's like. Hey, what's up, bro? You know, like, it's just there's a camaraderie that just comes with, with being in the outdoors and knowing that everybody's willing to grind and do whatever, and whether you have a tag or not. And, uh, I mean, I know for me and Barris, like, whoever goes or whoever stays is, you know, we'll have a good time. It'll be good. And then you're looking forward to people coming in and, like, even just being willing to contribute. Like, Bear cooked one night, I cooked one night, you know, just filling in whatever needs to be whatever needs to be done, you know? Yeah. And it's not just us. I mean, everybody's done some sort of support thing for everyone else yeah. at one time or another. And so I think that's really like the valuable experiences, the relationships you get inside of, inside of these, these places. It's where you start to see people's true character. And I mean, ultimate defeat and still like ready to go. I mean, Bryce called me whenever he missed his bull and he was like real frustrated, but it was like, he was ready to charge forward to the next one, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I was uh, telling you guys, you need to move camp and get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Cause we've got a bunch of elk <laughs> yeah. over here to He's kill. like, I just yeah. got defeated, but you guys should totally come here. Yeah. yeah and, uh, it was like, get over here, man. And yeah. I, you know what I said when Colby said that? I didn't realize how many elk were, were over here, but I was like, man, we're not going to go over there and hunt Bryce's elk. I mean, like I figured there was like one drainage with elk. But I just, it was generous of you. And, and I mean, we would have done the same thing for you. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was generous. And that's when Colby said, we don't even know this guy's last name. <laughs> yeah. He said, we're going, we're going wherever he says go. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, 
two days in, I was like, I don't even know his last name. And if he told me, Clay, clean up camp and then go up and water the horses. You didn't I mean, even I know. I just would have done it. You didn't even know if it was the right Bryce. Yeah. Was the right Bryce. yeah there was a time when we thought Bryce was at the wrong camp. Yeah. But Bryce actually didn't even know Joe. I actually live out here. I just uh, you go can't. camp to camp. What, what, what do they call it? The guys that cr- wedding crasher? You're yeah. an elk camp crasher? Yeah. You're just going to go down the road to some other guys and just pull up and just be like, hey guys, what's for dinner? should have given you guys more bad advice. <laughs> you're like, hey, I know. Uh, you're like, he knows Joe. Yeah. You're like, Yeah, Joe, sure. I know Joe. Joe? Joe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I usually go with Joe or Tommy. Yeah. Joe was doing that with the locals the other day. You know uh, the the Bell family? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was kind of weird. I didn't realize <laughs> I knew that many people in Montana. Small but. town Montana still exists. <laughs> yeah. Still exists. Yeah. Yeah, Small yeah. world. Well, um, nah, it's been a pleasure to hunt with you guys. Thank you, Joe, for hooking us. Man, Joe, of all people... Yeah. Has been super. When I met Joe a year ago, he was like, "Come elk hunting, man! I'll 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 take you elk hunting." And I could tell he meant it. A lot of people say that, but I could tell he meant it. And so I did what he said. He said, "Put in for this tag." I said, "Okay." And uh, here we are. So really, Joe, appreciate it, man. Of course. Sorry, I have to take off today. I should have driven myself. Um, <laughs> I would have stayed, but nah. Um, you I'm glad go, you made it up. Go back to Arkansas with him. You yeah. should. I should. Just, I've always wanted to back. go to Arkansas. So come on down. You can open our bear season. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, get down you there. Camp with me and James Lawrence. <laughs> but no, I'm really glad you guys made it up. I, yeah. I'm glad we got into elk and had that experience. Because I mean, it's never guaranteed that you're going to take one home, but being able to be in them and have an experience where you're running around with these amazing creatures is always worth it. Yeah. In my book. Yeah. I'm anxious to get back to uh, see really how uh, s- strong my legs got this last week. Mm. I've been I've been running. I've been, uh, you know, I, I I have to work pretty hard to stay fit at my old age, and uh, so I kind of knew my fitness level. And uh, I'm I, we hadn't probably walked as much as you guys, but we walked a lot. I mean, I've been every day. I've been walking to the bottom and back up, and about three of these bumps over multiple every times day. a day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it grinds on you. We yeah, did a little running. Good. Yeah, we did a little hustling today after that bull. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it's it's yeah, it grinds on you. And getting up in the morning, it's, yeah, I'm sure other folks have gotten up in the morning. And you just kind of open your eyes like, nah, come on, this ain't gonna work. Just go right to sleep. Just a couple more hours of sleep. It's always easy the first like two days, yeah, right? Yeah. And day six. That that first bull that, that bugled when Bryce and I left you that first morning and we take off after it. I got to the top of the ridge and I looked at Bryce and I was like breathing kinda heavy. I was like, Man, I forgot to I forgot what it was like to hunt with somebody who who runs up the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> it was like huffing and puffing, but it sure is fun. Yeah, sure I don't really want to go back to civilization. I don't either. <laughs> You know, we were talking today, Ben brought up kind of the sequence of how this feels to be in a camp. You know, he said it takes about two days to kind of settle in and kind of let the civilized world kind of drift from your consciousness. Not that you're not conscious of family at all times and communicating with family when you can and stuff, but but that seems to be a pretty good assessment, Ben. Yeah, 
No, I, I, I've always I thought that since I've done some like real backcountry hunts where you're out of service for 10 days and you get dropped off by a float plane or something. In this case, I was watching football in my truck taking a nap yesterday, so civilization <laughs> being what it is. Yeah. But it's still the same thing in terms of the mentality. You got to you got to like slough off society. You got to you know, there's no couch to sit on. There's no TV to watch. There's your know, responsibilities are different and you have to kind of find the rhythm of the elk and the mountain and the place you're in and you have to follow that rhythm. You sleep when they sleep. Yeah, you sleep when they sleep. You bed down in the afternoon when they do, and you're up and moving when they are. Um, and that's a rhythm you have to find. And the first mountain you climb seems like, wow, this is a little harder than I thought. The fifth or sixth one you climb, your mentality is like, I'm. You now know kind of what the rhythm needs to be and how quickly you need to move and where you need to end up. And and so for me, it's always been. It takes a couple of the first couple of days. You feel like you're just kind of working it out. Yeah. Kind of physically and mentally getting yourself to a place where. You no longer worry about anything other than the elk and finding that rhythm. You're not and I think about that's emails. a pretty unique experience to hunters that other, I mean, even people that there would be some extreme backpackers and hikers and mountaineers and stuff that would experience long stints in the wilderness where you really truly have time to get disconnected. But for the most part, it's, it's hunters that are doing that, you know, for I'm I'm saying for seven to ten days be out and away, and uh, I mean nobody's taking their tent and going out with their family of five and camping for ten days on the mountain over there just to have fun and waking up an hour before sunrise. You know what I'm saying? Hiking yeah. four miles and running down mountains. Yeah, so, I mean my wife. The, the moment I always know that I've done it right was when I go home and my wife smells me when I walk in the door from like across the room in the kitchen. She just goes, take a shower. <laughs> Don't touch me. Take a shower first. Yeah, she seems to be able to smell me uh, yeah. well before I even maybe walk in the house sometimes. I think there's got to be something healthy about, like, not bathing for a week. <laughs> I, think I think I like it. I, I mean, I like I was telling you the other day, I feel like this is, I feel better and more comfortable and more in my element here. Whether it is, do you hear a bugle there, Joe? What or a mule. A mule. Every time I hear the mule, I feel like it's a bugle. <laughs> I'm not yeah, sure. I heard something. So many digressions. <laughs> We've decided that mules got they did they got the short end of the stick from a horse whinny. They also got the short end of the stick from, from a donkey bray. Yeah. But they actually sound more like an elk because they kind of combine the two. Go ahead, a little ben. bit too. Sorry. No, I'm saying <laughs> dirty. Just, I just I there are things I worry about in my day to day life when I'm at work or at home with the kids or um, with my family that I just forget about here. You know, cleanliness being, <laughs> I just like brush my hair aside and go on. And Ben, I wasn't going to say uh, anything, but you look bad. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> like I, that's what I was hoping compliment. for. Yeah. I was hoping to look gnarly. Uh, Bear always smells though. <laughs> He's 14 year old kid. Like that's, that's the smelliest time of a young man's life. I say, but yeah, I mean, that's, a, it, that's something I've always thought and it always reaffirms. And there's been times this won't be one of them, but where I, I've been out for seven to 10 days and haven't had service at all. You know, you have your in reach and you text the people, just let them know what's up and give them, um, and give them those updates. And then you, the, the anxiety and the nerves, when you know that phone's about to come on, when you're, you, you know, like the, the moment feeling. of service and you get that feeling of the, the wave of connectivity and all the things that come with it. That's a difficult thing for me personally to, to do a lot of times. And, um, even here where we have some connectivity in camp, it's more just going back to that rhythm and missing this one because this one is much more natural to me. Yeah. Yep. Well, Hey, 
Thanks a ton, guys. Really, to every one of you. Thank you for your your helping us have a successful hunt. Really yeah. was a successful hunt. And uh, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your encouragement, wisdom. Really appreciate it. And man, I I want to do it again. Mm. Do it again. What <laughs> other thing would you? This is. I I'll started off this podcast. I'm not thinking, doing it again. Yeah. Thinking what, that. What other thing We're would done, you? Man. We're done. You We're would done. say I'm frustrated. I don't know how to like. I'm frustrated and I'm mad about this and I've failed, but please come next time. Yeah. You know, I'm always amazed at the resiliency of the human spirit. When I, there's a place I hunt in Arkansas that's pretty tough for our world and it is miserable hunting there. And I will be coming down that mountain in the dark after not seeing a game animal in three days and being like, why don't I drive three hours north into Kansas into the best whitetail hunting in the world. Why do I drive the other way into the worst whitetail hunting probably in the country? (laughs) And as soon as I get in the truck and the mules in the trailer and the heater's on if if it's cold or the AC's on if it's hot and I start driving, it takes about a mile on pavement for me to be planning my trip back up the mountain. Really, like at times... I have been just shocked by that. And yeah. it's not me. It's all of us. I, like I get you it. go to the I, grind and then you're just like, golly, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. I have my favorite analogy for this. Joe might have heard it possibly before, but I, I call that sharpening the life knife. Because like, yeah. you come up here, man, and you, like, you're solving problems every second. The elk hunting is one big problem solving thing, and it's it's incredibly difficult to do. And there's all these elements that you have to have studied and practiced and crafted and be good at. Not only you know shooting a bow, but but butchering an animal and and all the things that go with it. And um, when you leave here, sitting in traffic seems like a smooth, no problem, no problem experience. And that's because this place, make, you know, these places make you sharper, make you tougher. They make you make it easier to take on the other things in life that now seem so much more trivial than actually finding a giant bull elk, getting close to it, convincing it to come close to you, and then finding a lane to put an arrow through and getting the arrow through the right spot and then finding it when it runs down the mountain and then picking up its giant hunks of meat and carrying it back to wherever you came from. Like that, the difficulty of that makes too many emails seem like, well, that's that's nothing. So you sharpen that old life knife, you feel Mm -hmm. much more dull when you haven't done something like this for a long Mm -hmm. time. That's a good um, analogy. Life knife. Bear, what are you holding there? What is Pinch that? made knife. Who gave that to you? Ben O'Brien gave that to me. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> Let me see that. I told him not to cut himself with it. I didn't. That is a sweet knife. I didn't want to. Brand new. Never oh. never sliced a thing. Oh, I know you said thank you to him. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful knife. Cool. All right, guys. Closing Closing thoughts? I'm just happy we were here. I'm already planning my trip back. I was just texting somebody like, hey, man. (laughs) Where are we coming? I got a few days off next week. Yeah, I'm thirsty. I want to kill an elk. I want to come back. I want to do this and keep doing it. And whoever wants to come is always welcome. But I'm I'm ravenous right now for for all the experiences and the end result. Right on. I'm planning my workouts. (laughs) (laughs) You did good. Hey, guys, Colby worked hard for this. He He has for the last year. 
Um, he really has. I, he's he's worked hard, and uh, he's been following us around. Yeah, and, man. I told Colby when we were out there. I said, "This is hard." I mean, I don't know what percentage of people that could actually do this and keep up with, you know, us running around, but it ain't. It is not an expansive percentage. It is a low percentage of people that would come out here and immediately be able to get up and down this place. I mean, yeah. it is. It is incredibly difficult in almost every way yeah so especially being not having a tag you know having a tag exactly you're moving a little quicker after that bull and up that mountain yeah but it's true very true and have a little more motivation to keep yeah keep putting a foot in front of the other one keep grinding yeah yeah thanks bear colby so all right guys well keep the wild places wild because that's where the elk live You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.